is time for the new series on the Ocean Pancake Podcast, which is called Oceans Today. In this series, once a month, I'm going to have a marine biologist come on board and we'll be chatting about something that is going on in the ocean today. So whether it is a piece of news or a scientific paper or just some general things that are happening, bit of an explanation, uh, we're going to sit down, have a chat, half an hour, so nice and short, nice and sweet. And this week, I am joined by Maria from CNME, which you can find her on YouTube and all that. She was actually my first guest on the Ocean Pancake podcast, so it's a huge honor to have her back. And I'm so excited to be chatting with you guys about is cleaning the ocean the solution to the plastic problem? Now, Oceans Today was picked out by you guys, by my listeners. So if you haven't already, make sure to join the Facebook group, Ocean Pancake uh, Conservation and Marine sustainability or um, join the family on Instagram or YouTube where you can chat to me more often you can vote on new topics on names on guests and all those sorts of things I would love to have you guys more involved let me know what you want to hear what you want to learn about send me an email send me a message I really want to hear some feedback so if you have any good feedback any bad feedback please let me know I uh, can't wait to chat to you on the ocean pancake Facebook group, and for now, yeah, let's get into the episode. Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean, whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution. If the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. I'm so happy to have you here again, Maria. Thank you so much for having me again. For those of you guys who don't know, Maria was actually my first guest <laughs> on the Ocean Pancake podcast. And today we are back with a new series, which is called Oceans Today. So we're going to be chatting about some issues that are coming up in our oceans. And since Maria is an expert on plastic, we are talking about plastic in our oceans. So Maria, would you like to kick it off for us? Sure. So we, me and Kat decided that it would be interesting to talk about how we have to think about ways to decrease plastic waste in the ocean. And of course, now there's all these initiatives appearing on cleaning the oceans, beach cleanups, and uh, removing plastic that enters the ocean through the river and we decided to talk a little bit about this issue or this issue and these topics and whether this is the right way to deal with the plastic pollution problem in the ocean or not exactly. and thanks again for having me <laughs> <laughs> of course i'm just so excited to, to be starting this new series where you now have experts to, to weigh on weigh in on these topics um, yeah. so it basically started because i asked maria does cleaning the ocean 
work? Like, is, is that working well? We all know Boyana Slats, who is a young Dutch entrepreneur who created the Ocean Cleanup and who has been making headlines in the news. And there have been a lot of people who are very for what he's been doing. And there have been a lot of people also um, talking quite negatively about the project. So I thought we would have a bit of a chat about, does it really work to clean the ocean? What do you think? Right. Um, it's true. So there, a, a big part of the scientific community thinks that that's not the way to go. And I think, I think everyone thinks that's not the solution for the problem. So that's definitely not the thing that's gonna save the environment from plastic pollution in general. But on the other hand, it's also something. So um, it's it might not be the solution, but we have to give him credit for the fact that he did bring a lot of attention to all this uh, plastic situation. And that was, I think, it, we cannot forget that. And that was really good. And I think there is some value in trying to remove the plastic, which is already there because even even if it's not the solution for the problem in general, it's still gonna probably help um, decrease the harm that the one that is already there is doing to marine life. Uh, however, the only thing that, and which I kind of understand, is the worry of many people is that this ends up being kind of um, throwing sand to the eyes. I don't know if that's a proper expression in English, but it's basically um taking away the attention from potential solutions that could be the most important ones rather than just putting all your attention to yeah we're cleaning up the oceans which is cool but that's not the ultimate solution for the problem it has to come in more upstream so the solution has to come for before the plastics enter the ocean so even there's all these projects about um, oh, now that also the ocean cleanup has, which I think is great, uh, these to recover plastics that are coming into the ocean through rivers. So recovering the plastics before they even come into the ocean uh, through the rivers, that's already a bit more upstream and that's great. Uh, however, there's still more that we can do even more upstream. We can um, start looking at where it really matters, which is during production and waste management from the industry or from the users or and kind of this would be the ideal place to, I think, really go to the source of the problem and, and solve it. So I think there ultimately there is some value to trying to reduce what's already there, but that is not the ultimate solution to the plastic problem. And since there is so much plastic still being pumped into the ocean every day, you know, no matter how good the ocean cleanup project is, I don't think they can combat the, what is it, like one truckload of garbage with 20 grams of contribution. So just the, the volume of input versus output is yeah, I was I was checking yesterday and was like something like equivalent to 15 truckloads per day or something. I'm not sure. I'm, but uh, this was some numbers I found. I know that the average is like eight million tons per year. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's very hard to estimate. This is in the lower end of the estimation, but yeah, it's it's a lot. It's really hard to even conceive the amount that is. So yeah, definitely. If even if if even if the whole operation is successful, it, they would not be able to, especially because we don't know. They are only collecting the plastic, which is. Uh, at the surface, so we don't know what happens when they sink, which many of them do. So yeah, there's still a lot that's not going to be removed. Yeah, so it's a really small thing, but as you said, it's it's amazing how much more people are aware of the situation because of him and because of the project. And as you said, yes, he has moved on to cleaning rivers, which is fantastic because that's a bit closer to the source. I think you all would have heard the expression. You know, like if your bath is overflowing, you're not going to pick up the mop and bucket first. You're going to turn off the tap. So yes. at least that's getting closer to the tap. You know, that's like trying to block the tap rather than exactly. turn it off. <laughs> um, yes. Turning it off would be the ideal, but that's the most difficult part. But yeah. It definitely is. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the trash is still coming from uh, lesser developed countries, which don't have... Um, the infrastructure required to process plastic. Like I've lived on a couple of um, areas, I would have mentioned this in previous podcasts, Comoros, Cambodia, there was just no other option but to burn the trash, which yeah. as we know, terrible for the environment, sends all sorts of gases into the atmosphere as well as the earth. But in those small island nations or even the coastal towns, there's just nowhere to put this trash. So unless you want, you know, a a garbage dump half the size of your island, you're going to burn the trash. Yeah, it's a very, it's very tough because um, the, I think the most pollute, the, the countries that pollute most in terms of plastic are South, South, Southeast Asian countries like mm -hmm. China, India, uh, Vietnam. So uh, because exactly that, so they are now and in these countries, there's still a lot of people living in extreme poverty. And now in, there's this industrialization happening, which is trying to remove people from those conditions. But the plans for waste management is not accompanying this high, this fast industrialization that is happening. And this increase in uh, consumption and use of resources, and it's just ending up, yeah, like you said, either on landfills or just burning, or and a lot of it ends up in the ocean. And it's very hard to tackle those problems because that's a core problem of a country. It's uh, something which cannot be changed overnight and really requires action from a lot of a lot of sides within, from the government, from regulation agencies in the country. I don't know how much power international uh, agencies would have in this, I'm not sure uh, in this regard, maybe some, they could provide some pressure, but I'm not sure how much they could really do if the government of the country, the government of the country doesn't do anything or the regulatory agencies. And that's really tough. And that's something that people should also be aware that not that, it's good to be aware that a lot of these problems come from these countries too. And people there for sure don't have the same awareness that here we have, they don't have this privilege of, you know, having, being 
able to spend time looking up this kind of stuff and educating themselves. So it's, I think it's, there's a lot of value in educating people there and trying to bring attention to just do these issues in these countries as well. Interesting is just recently I found some data about the amount of trash produced. And while we, you know, uh, these Southeast Asian countries do create the biggest volume, in terms of per capita, they're actually on one of the lowest ends of the spectrum. So the reason this data is quite skewed is because of the population numbers. But if you actually look at this, and I'll have the link to this fantastic page by ourworldindata.org, which shows um, if we compare India, for example, they produce 0.01 kilograms per person per day of plastic waste. And then you compare that to a country such as Germany, they're at 0.48 kilograms. So half a kilo in comparison to basically a tenth of that. Oh, that's quite, I didn't know those numbers, but yeah, that so doesn't I'm, really surprise me. <laughs> yeah, so it just really shows that, you know, even if we are in developed countries, like the, U, the US here is 0.34 kilograms per day. So a little bit below Germany. Uh, other ones which have a big footprint, New Zealand 0.33. Uh, interestingly, uh, Guyana in South America is on 0.59 kilograms per day. So oh. they're one of the highest. <laughs> what uh, do they do? <laughs> I don't know what they're doing over there. But um, And then we have a lot of the African countries. They're under um, you know, 0.05. Tanzania, Angola, they're all in the very minimal. Indonesia is actually very minimal. I'm wondering if Indonesia would get skewed a lot by the amount of tourists that go there to um. buy, you know, the plastic water bottles and everything to, to have potable Could water. Because there's yeah. a lot of but tourism in those countries. But also Indonesia has a lot of people. Like it's insane the amount of people they have. Even the, it's all in separate islands, but there's a lot of people there. But yeah, that doesn't surprise me because a lot of the waste also comes from consumers. Like just here, we have more more money. We are able of buying more, which we usually do, and uh, drive more or yeah. overall have more stuff. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And also a lot of the trash uh, ends up in these countries. A lot of the trash from Europe and from... Even the U.S., I'm not sure, but I know from Europe, at least, a lot of this trash is transported to the southern, eastern, southeastern Asian countries. So in the end, they have their trash and our trash. So and they then we say they are the most pollutants, but we are we are also participating in this. I think in, in Europe, like when I lived there, I did think about it as much just because when you walk around Switzerland, where I grew up, it's clean, you know, so it's yeah. out of sight, out of mind, you know, there we have 15,000 different types of recycling bins, um, yeah. you know, every different type of glass has their own bin. So you're like, oh, clearly everyone's, you know, doing this. Um, there is no trash, you know, everything's very well taken care of and you kind of get lulled in this false sense of security you know, I've spoken to people and they just say, oh, we just don't have an option. Mm. Have but where, uh, in Indonesia or in Europe? 
in, in Indonesia, in those, in those oh. countries. Well, in Europe, I don't know. I feel a lot of people I've spoken to kind of in the Western world uh, have, have been more of the perspective of what, what does it matter what I do, you know? Why does it matter if I buy that piece of packaged anything when there's, you know, and then they point the finger to the very populated countries. But oh, that's not an excuse, is it? It's, it's not. It's not. But I, it's just frustrating because that's something I've been met with a lot. I find. Yeah. Um, just a lot of yeah. people shrugging because, you know, as I said, like the issues are not on their doorstep. Therefore, it's easier to kind of shift blame. But even if your impact is minimal, uh, so uh, doing something is better than doing nothing. So even if you're not the main problem, doesn't mean you cannot be part of the problem and we should try to minimize it anyway. Even if you're not the main one to blame, you are still, or to blame maybe is strong, but even if you're not the one causing the most impact, you should, doesn't ma mean that you should cause all the impact you want because you're not the one that's doing the most. So I think one should be aware of uh, at least inform oneself of what you can do and then make a educated decision without trying to convince yourself that it's not worth it. Because I think sometimes that's an excuse that we tell ourselves to just be kind of not doing something. Um, but I mean, if you admit, okay, um, I'm not going to take these steps because simply... I don't care enough. I mean, but you have to, don't try to shift the, that it will not change anything because that's not true. I mean, you have to be uh, honest with yourself that you can't, it, it will make a difference. And even if you are honest with yourself and in the end you say, okay, I just don't care at all. I'm not going to pretend I care. Okay. Then you, you informed yourself and you made a decision, but I, I'd never really understood this just because I want, I'm not going to change. I mean, one person can change the world. Look at what Greta Thunberg is doing. She's yeah, one kid. <laughs> yeah. So saying that as a one person, you cannot change anything. That's not true at all. I mean, I'm not saying everyone is going to be Greta Thunberg, but one person can change a lot, even if just by influencing your surroundings or by talking to people, you know, so yes. <laughs> um, just, just, just quickly to jump back um, to the data, I just found the next graph here. And um, while I was saying, you know, Germany has one of the highest per person um, export, I don't know, uses of plastic. This is a share of plastic waste that is inadequately managed. So um, you have all the European countries, or most of them, which are at zero percent supposedly. I think that's a bit optimistic, but still. Yeah. And then okay. You have India, 85%, China, 74%, Indonesia, 81%. You know, wow. so that's really where the problem is, is that inadequacy of the management of the plastic waste. This is a fantastic yeah. website. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> to, this is going to be like, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I think that's then, that's where cir the circular economy would come in. Um, there's a lot of talk and also changing the type of plastics we use mm -hmm. to make them more reusable so that when a, there's some plastics which are really difficult to recycle in the proper way. So there's a lot of technological difficulties at the moment. So there's a lot of things 
from a scientific and technological point of view that are difficult, but doesn't mean it's impossible. So there are people working on this and there are companies working on this. Um, but there's definitely a need to kind of find a way to put, because plastic is not going away or I mean, and in many, and there are many cases in which plastic is useful, like for healthcare or mm -hmm. for uh, countries in which simply buying other materials sometimes is just not possible. And in terms of hygiene, it's important in some, some places. So it's not going away, but we do have to kind of find a way to be able to make it not end up just somewhere as a waste. So again, trying to find a way to be able to reuse the plastic that we use at home again so this is what then circular economy would mean and right now for some types of plastic is difficult even though i've heard here in austria for instance the re reutilization of the pl used plastic is quite good i don't want to give percentages because i forgot but i remember when they told me it was quite a, a high percentage of recycled plastic so i think we are going in that direction but we need fast we need to act fast basically and there's a lot of organizations, as you're saying, you know, on top of the ocean cleanup and all those guys, which are doing yeah. things to move in this direction. Um, and I did want to mention Parley for the Oceans, which we also briefly uh, talked about just before. And this is this is a company which is organization organization. Organ I think it's an organization. It's a non-for-profit, um, and they are worldwide Parley for the Oceans, and basically they do beach cleanups. So just like we were saying, is cleaning the ocean a solution? No. Is cleaning the beaches a solution? No. But is it helping? Yes. yes. And that's what Parlay is doing. And it's really getting as many people, volunteers all over the world to kind of um, to take charge of their areas, wherever they are. I helped out on a couple of cleanups in Cairns, Australia. And the cool thing that Parlay does is on top of just getting out there and cleaning up, you know, getting that camaraderie and inspiring mm -hmm. other people to do the same. Um, they also collect the data off uh, the trash they collect. So they bring it all back to their processing facility and they actually separate it, clean it, and then make sure, you know, to put it in the most appropriate <laughs> places they can. Places. Again, yeah. in Australia. Um, I don't know what's happening with our recycling situation. I'm going to have to look into that, but it's not yeah. great. So I know they're trying their best, but um, I didn't get a chance to go into their like warehouse where they do that or their office. Uh, but I know that's something they're focusing on because as you mentioned, uh, they're trying to work towards a circular economy. So that's great. What, what do you know about circular economies or how do you think we can like, move towards them? more so in terms of plastic? I really don't know much, I have to admit. I mean, I know what circular economy is, and um, but how to do it? <laughs> if that's, I, that's a the million dollar now. question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there are I companies think like I, the Plastic Bank, which offer to like buy plastic from mm -hmm. low income, um, countries and everything where you can actually go in and give your plastic to the plastic bank and they provide you with credits to then buy 
normal items or anything like that because then they yeah. reuse that plastic. But I oh, that's don't, interesting. I don't know how they're like, um, what's it called? Just how their strategy works. Like, where are they getting the money? You know, like yeah. how do you actually make post-consumerist plastic valuable? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know either, but. <laughs> Uh, there's there's an, another thing which has to be taken in consideration, which is how the post-consumer plastic is reused. Because by doing that, you might also you have to see how much resources you're gonna use mm -hmm. to reuse that plastic. Yeah. You don't know maybe in the end the amount of resources you're gonna use to reuse that plastic. How much that's going to if, if the impact of that is not even worse than the plastic itself. So this is a very complex, uh, a very uh, complex, complex situation in which you have to really take care of all these different components. I think one, I think definitely one thing uh, that we can do individually is reduce the amount of stuff we have, just the amount of stuff, because if everyone just, I was watching a, a documentary on the amount of clothes that we, the, the trash of clothes. And oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I couldn't, I couldn't. Cost. No, yeah. it was, it was like a, a Hassan Minaj, you know him? He's no. like a comedian and he okay. did a, uh, and he did a one, one show on, on, on fashion, on fast fashion. And I was, I was shocked. I mean, I looked at my own wardrobe and I was like, <laughs> damn, I'm contributing to this, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I was, I was really shocked by the amount of waste. Uh, it's just insane. So I'm sure that's, I mean, as individuals, this is something we can help uh, by just reducing the amount of stuff we buy. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't look, don't look at my mass pile of bins just above me, you know? Four pairs of bins. The only thing you have too much, you're fine. You're doing just fine. But yeah, yeah definitely but owning a lot of things. Um, it's, it's. I'd love, I'd love uh, to see that um, little documentary. If you can send it through. Yeah, I'll send it. I'll send it to you. He's fun. He does things in a funny way. So he puts everything. I mean, he's he's he does like a stand-up com comedy show about important topics. So I'll, I'll send it to you. No, it's really, it's, yeah. but go, sorry, going back, I kind of went on sidetrack here. Going back to the circular economy, I, I was, I know the ocean uh, parlay for the oceans, they do, they are also talking about changing, or I think I read an article by someone who worked there, who they think that one of the main, more important things is changing the material at their core. So use plastic, so produce plastics that are, easier to reuse afterwards because the ones polypropylene and polyethylene which are the most commonly used plastics they make up i think 40 percent or if not more of the used plastics because they're the ones for packaging for bottles for all those things um they they are they are very difficult to reuse to to in a energy efficient way so maybe that's one thing try to find substitutes that could be potentially easier to reuse but um i really don't know i unfortunately don't have the answer for how one should do that 
that I and I am ready to admit that it's probably really really difficult. You need to in you have to have regulations, you have to have industry involved, you have to have probably so uh, now I now that I remember I read a book in which they suggest that the companies that use the plastic should pay taxes on the waste they produce. Yes, I read that somewhere too and I thought that was genius, but I I don't know how Exactly. Yes, I also, be, you know. <laughs> yeah. Also, because how would you measure the waste you produce, right? So, but that would be very interesting. But uh, that could be something to look into. I remember they were talking about Coca-Cola because mm -hmm. the amount of co of cans that are just thrown is insane. But you would probably have a tax per unit, right? So per unit of thing. But yeah. That's a great question. I, I don't know how we would do that with circular economy, but I do believe it's a solution. I think that's what we need to work towards for sure. And also, there is there's that whole other side of the debate, like, which I understand, where people are frustrated, like, uh, why should we be the ones standing up for this? You know, we're the yes. ones who are you know, making, no, you know, like minimum wage, middle class, why are those the people who have to, you know, stand up and be like, hey, there's something wrong when there are companies like Coca-Cola, which was named the biggest waste producer in the world, which have billions of dollars. I mean, we have just a few companies at the very top. And I'm yeah. sure, you know, if potentially that tax for any unit they create that goes towards then fixing it, making it more possible to, you know, force them to have some sort of recycling, reusing. Um, but it goes down to regulations. It goes down to how these countries are run. And it's it's just such an enormous problem um, that, yeah, I don't know. I think well, what we're saying is it's very easy to kind of point fingers at the other people. But at the yeah. end of the day, all we can control is what we do. So is the solution to the plastic crisis cleaning our oceans? Mm -hmm. No, but it helps. <laughs> but it helps. And uh, at this point, I think we just got to be optimistic. Yes. Work together for a better world. Thanks, Yeah. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, yeah, exactly. I and uh, I had something. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, but that happens no. all the time. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's all the time we have today in this episode of the Oceans Today podcast of Ocean Hacking. I'm so happy that you came to join me, Maria. Um, where can people find you? Thank you so much for having me once again. Um, it was fun. So you can find me on Instagram at maria.cnme or you can, I have a YouTube channel where I talk about marine stuff and basically a bit of marine biology and it's called see and me and on twitter also at maria dots at see and me and that's it yeah and we're gonna have a little snippet of this uh conversation actually with video so if you guys are curious about what we look like make sure to head over to our youtube channels being a diver cat and maria see and me and then yeah we can guys can see us and if you have any questions make sure to leave them down below 
Uh, so we can continue the Oceans Today series. Thanks so much for joining me. <laughs> Thank you.